So I want to welcome everybody to this evening's Mauer Report. I'm so excited to see everybody, but before we begin, i got to remind everybody the views and opinions of the show are those of the host and guests and do not represent any sponsors, affiliates, or anybody else. Boy, I'm excited tonight. My guest tonight is Bianca Kamala. Did I get that right? I feel like I did. Absolutely, Jim. Absolutely, Jim. That's good. You're practicing. I've been practicing, and then you just you, we had a session about it just like 45 seconds before we hit air. And, you know, normally that psychs me up and gets me so inside my own head that I, I call you Bill Murray. And, uh, <laughs> Bianca. I'm glad you didn't. Tell, tell my, li- I mean, you, your bio is, is astronomical. That's a bad pun for those listeners who don't know who you are yet. Um, but go ahead and give us, I, I read your Twitter bio. I don't want to say it that way, but I know you're involved with a lot of things. So go ahead and lay out for the listeners who don't know who you are, who you are. Hello, everyone. My name is Priyanka Kumala, and thank you so much, Jim, for bringing me onto the show. I'm super excited. Um, Okay, how do I introduce myself? (laughs) I wear multiple hats. Uh, My recent hat is being a podcaster. I love spotlighting uh, Asian entrepreneurs and leaders and bringing their stories to limelight. So that's been my recent hustle. But by day, I'm a technologist. I work for the National Academies of Sciences, Engineering and Medicine, uh, focused on digital transformation projects. Uh, I'm also a new mom, so I have a one-year-old, so uh, he keeps me busy. And on top of that, uh, I love to make memories, and I love to write thank you cards. I hope that's a good summation oh. of who I am as a person. Well, we're going to get deeper into all. Well, no, I don't want to necessarily get all of that, but um, when do you sleep? Because I heard you have a day job, a podcast, and a one-year-old. I'm, I don't see much time for sleep in that picture. <laughs> hey, Jim. You know how the life of a podcaster is, right? So, you know, you got you to gotta hustle. <laughs> yeah, well, that's what I'm saying. I don't see much time for sleeping there. That's what I'm saying. Um, you know what? I've, I've realized, Jim, off late, that emotional well-being and self-care needs to come first. So I get a good solid at least six to seven hours of sleep. I try to eat well three times a day and, you know, try to keep myself fit. So I think I'm, I'm heading there. Well, it sounds... You're doing good because I've been... Well, I... December, I got a CPAP machine, right? That tattles on me how much I sleep mm-hmm. every night. So I've been way mm-hmm. more mindful of how much I've been sleeping because I wake up every hey, that's day. That's a good thing. I've been w- waking up and checking that app because, you know, they have this, this uh, CPAP machine has a score on it. And I want 100%. You know, I want to be perfect at everything, right? So, so I have to sleep like six and a half, seven hours. And there's some other things, but the, that, the sleep milestone part of it too is the key most of the time. Hey, you're doing a great job, Jim. Um, what about the paranormal activity? You still have time for that? Uh, yeah, every once in a while. I haven't been out as much, but of course, COVID threw, you know, everything into a, a blender. And but you know, that's given me time to. And this is this is where things get dangerous when you start thinking about things outside the, outside the box, and about how you would do things if you had a chance to do things. So. <laughs> I, I'm looking forward to the next opportunity I have to to talk to people about their paranormal experiences and then go investigate them because I think how I look at things differently now than I would have five years ago or even a year ago is going to be fun. But you know, it's kind of I agree. It's funny because the first thing I, I have I want to talk to you about is the STEM stuff because it's well that all kind of plays into this, right? Even though that it's paranormal stuff and makes you know some people scared. But the science and the technology and the and the E just kind of slipped my mind. I know maths and what's the E? 
Can you repeat that? What's the What's the E in STEM? Because it just totally slipped my mind because I have science, technology, and I know math. Uh, it's science, technology, engineering, and math. Uh, see, engineering, that's probably why it slipped my mind because I'm not a, not strong at that one. Um, but I, I think... Hey, you know what? I'm an, I'm, I'm an engineer turned technologist turned management <laughs> executor. So you're asking the right question to me. <laughs> so I, I, I think the... Uh, the you know as as I develop more into that 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 thing of trying to understand the understand un, 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 I told you I was going to mispronounce something ununderstandable because I mean you can be the spiritualist right and just believe ninety five to one hundred percent of everything but at the end of the day if I'm going to convert you into a a firm believer and convert your your people into being believers in something that isn't necessarily in a book today. It's going to take a different course of action than me just going and sitting in the dark for eight hours. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Hey, and engineering needs a strong foundation of science and math because basically you're trying to solve problems. And you look around yourself and, you know, everything has engineering built into it. It's just, the, it's just your perspective. So how, how do we, I mean, I think the big motive is to encourage students to get more into these these fields because I, I don't, I didn't look up the numbers, but I know I recall seeing that we're not turning out enough degree college level people to fill the positions we already have, let alone grow. So, how do we go about encouraging young people to take an interest in STEM? You know, that's very true, Jim. Because if you look at the percentage of, percentage of women with STEM degrees, it's right now twenty four percent, and there's a huge gap in terms of bringing in more people into STEM careers. And something that I strongly believe in is having role models and mentors uh, because that's benefited me greatly because when I was growing up, you know, I had people around me who would be, you know, engineers and technologists and I always aspired to be somebody like them. And then I would say, okay, what did they do to be who they are today? And that's how I realized, okay, it's the STEM career that they chose that has made them successful. So, you know, something by default is as an Asian, your choices are limited you have to pick a STEM degree. So I think that was really helpful to me personally in terms of choosing my career path. But now when I look at a lot of, you know, young students, high school, middle school students, uh, they're super smart. But it's most important for them, most important part for them is to make sure they're part of the STEM talent pipeline. You know, they don't fall off, uh, you know, the path once they go to college, you know, because they're not quite sure about what they need to major in. You know, that's the place where we'll have to have strong role models and mentors who could guide them to choose the right uh, career path that would help fill the talent pipeline for the U.S. especially. Yeah, it's, I mean, mentoring in anything, we can get to it in business and podcasting and leadership and anything else that we want to talk about tonight. But having somebody that you connect with who has been there, maybe not necessarily exactly where you are, but in the proverbial there, of being there and doing what you're looking to do is outstanding. I'm sure you've. Thank you. You mentioned that when 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 did you I I I don't want to say knowingly went out and sought one because I'm sure by the time you went out and sought one you've already had an experience with somebody before that. So when was the first time you made a connection with somebody that you really looked up to and um, started you down the right path? You know, my own family, uh, my, my parents are not technologists or engineers. My dad is a lawyer. My mom is a, you know, I should say actually my mom is a science graduate. So it, it started from my own family. And 
you know, my mom was someone who's who's hands on. You know, she used to sit with us, me and my sister, after school, and tutor us on, uh, you know, the various things around us, like uh, you know, small uh, things that we would play around with, like electronic devices. And that got me curious, like how did this work? You know, can I do something that's automated, like switching on a fan? You know, back in those days, in, in the '90s when we were growing up, automation wasn't a part of thing. Like you had to literally go and switch on the TV. You didn't have a remote uh, in those early days. So I used to get all these fascinating ideas about, you know, how do I really switch on the TV without actually walking, uh, you know, some distance to get things done. Uh, and my mom was such a role model for me, who inspired me to be in STEM. And you know, that's how it started. Uh, and then my sister followed my path. You know, she en- ended up being a STEM graduate herself. Uh, and then today, I'm happy that I I can give back to the community and inspire my set of cousins or uh, my extended family to actually take up a career in STEM. Yeah, I, I think I, you mentioned remote f- controls for TVs, and I I, I I often think always joke with my kids. They're a little bit older than yours about you know hitting the uh, antenna for the TV because it wasn't coming in right. Mm-hmm. Right. Oh my goodness! I remember those days, Jim. You know, we used to run upstairs uh, uh, in our house, and you know, as kids, we would keep playing around with the antenna. Like my dad used to say, "Okay, the signal isn't coming properly," and all our cousins would run upstairs and keep moving the antenna, and we would keep shouting downstairs, saying, "Okay, is it right? Are you getting the signal?" So you know, fun days back then. And the other thing, like you know, they're they're mad because their their YouTube video is lagging, right? And I'm thinking. Mm-hmm. You're watching what you want to watch, not what was on one of those four channels that you could get, <laughs> right? Oh like, man, I still I still remember those days. I mean, at least growing up in India, we had standard channels from the government, which would uh, you know which would be broadcasted between certain times of the day and certain days as well. So we used to keep waiting for our weekend shows because that's when you would have these fun interactive shows. The rest of the time, it would be about. Farming, or you know, like a soap opera that I was never interested in. So, uh, yeah, but things have changed now, right? You have on-demand TV and you know live channels, so it's it's a different world altogether. So, oh boy, you just left me in an interesting paradox, and I'm going to go down this road. When did when did your family come to America? So it's actually me. My parents still stay home back in okay. India. Okay. So my sister and I, and uh, it's it's been more than a decade since we've been here, and. Now this feels like home because I came here in my early twenties to pursue my masters and my further education since then, and um, it's been a wonderful place. And the community is so welcoming. The people over here are so warm and hospitable. So I've, I've been enjoying my stay over here. So technology has to help you with that, bridging that gap, because I can't imagine otherwise being that far away from your parents. That's very true. You know what? Like. Ten years ago, it was so hard to stay connected with my parents. Now we have all these Googles and Alexas that would live stream what's happening in my parents' house or vice versa. But back then, you know what, Jim? I used to remember we used to get these calling cards, and then those were expensive. And I could only speak like five to ten minutes a day to my parents, and I had to speak so fast because I'll keep counting the minutes that are left on my calling card. Um, yeah, but, but looking back, I I feel. Those were like wonderful days where we adapted to the limited technology that we had, uh, but I'm great that technology's evolved in the last few years. Yeah, I mean, you're talking ten years ago, which is basically when my show started. So we're not talking 150 years ago, or you know, that <laughs> long ago. We're, I mean, you're sitting here telling me this, and I'm going, yeah, that was not that, you know, like 
Man, that just made me feel, I don't want to say old, but it just really put took some wind out of my sails, I guess, for the lack of it. It just, oh. But that was one of the things that I wanted to bring up to you about how technology, well, I mean, we've had computers now for 15, 20 years, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, they're changing in shapes and sizes and stuff, and obviously getting faster, but it's still just a computer. I mean, obviously, smartphones have entered the picture and kind of, have they derailed what we're doing with computers or taken over? You know what? It's you know, technology is always a double-edged sword, right? You use it for the right thing; it's beneficial to you and the society, and you know the downside of it as well. Uh, it depends on you know how you are cautious about it. But let me tell you that something interesting about me. Um, like during my uh, childhood, my parents invested all these savings in buying a computer. This was in the uh, late '90s, early close to the 2000. Uh, uh, 2000-2001 uh, uh, years and it, it was so fun like everybody would come home because there was this huge computer like a desktop sitting there and we would uh, play around with Microsoft Word and print all these different animal pictures go to yahoo.com you know that was that was the time where we, where we were introduced towards technology and computer science uh, sort of fascinating because it, it showed us there was world outside my four walls because until then, you had to get knowledge from books or from your parents or your extended family or your friends. But it opened up the world for us with the concept of Internet and the world was so interconnected, I should say. And fast forward to today, like, I have a one-year-old who, you know, literally plays around with all these smart devices, you know, activated remote controls where you just speak and things show up on your, uh, on your TV. So definitely, I think technology has been a you know, a stepping stone in terms of improving the quality of life that we have. But on the downside, again, as I mentioned, you know, it's it's a powerful tool. So you get to choose which side of the coin you want to play around with. Now, he's a little young yet, but do you have concerns about too much screen time? Oh, yes, I do. I still I still worry a lot about, you know, you know the biggest challenge that we have, Jim, is, um, you know, as parents, you got to use smartphones. You, you use all these different kinds of devices because you need to be connected with work, your podcast, and other things that you do. But at the same time, children are kind of, they see you as role models. So they're kind of going to model what you're doing. And they think playing around with smartphones is like the standard thing. But then as a parent, you worry that, okay, a one-year-old shouldn't be looking at my smartphone. But then it's just so hard to, you know, delineate uh, that difference, I mean, uh, how do you really separate your personal life and stay disconnected from these devices? It's just so hard in, in practical terms. Yeah, I know. I've been trying to, um, again, be more mindful of these things. Just trying to put it down, you know, disconnect. Right. It's, 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 it's bad. It's so hard. It's bad. Yeah, it, yeah, and you know what? Sometimes I've, I've become more intentional. Like, I try to do my work or stay connected with my devices when I'm away from the kid for a little bit of time. And then when you're around around with your kid, I just try to focus on him and actually it helps you stay in the moment because you're going to end up endlessly scrolling your Twitter feed or, you know, whatever you're looking at or your Instagram uh, when you're multitasking, like being with your family at the same time, playing around with your smartphone. So I'm trying to be intentional like what you are. So I, you mentioned this earlier and this kind of parallel intersects with this conversation. One thing I have tried to do to 
break that gap, but while I'm still trying to ease myself out of it, is take more pictures, which sounds counterintuitive. <laughs> But uh-huh. because because now I'm doing, I have the task right. You take the picture and then you can put. You know what I'm saying? You put it down. Like it is definitely locked in, and there's a task, and it's done. And mm-hmm. and it, as you were saying, I, one of your taglines there was creating memories. So you, there's that end of it, right? And then there's the mm-hmm. I have something possibly that I can edit, which is something that kind of in this weird messed up mind of mine I can do a little stress relief by just changing the, the picture just getting the colors and all that other stuff to go woo out mm-hmm. of this world of course it never ends up that way when I post it it just always ends up dark and gloomy I'm not sure what's going on there but nevertheless it, it's fun to see it all bright and happy uh, <laughs> I just like it a little bit dark right. Maybe it's because my screen's so bright but I don't know but there's that you know you can play with it and then there's that content that comes out of that but it's that and knowing, like I said, that it, do that that task and then put it away. I've been mm-hmm. like I said, it's it's tough. But you you want to you you want to create memories. Now, I'm talking about taking pictures. We we take more pictures today. We take more videos. But are we? I mean, is that good though? I mean, I know it it sounds good on the surface, right? But at the I'm taking because we're so wrapped up in taking the pictures because I know there have been times where I've been too busy taking pictures to enjoy the moment. Mm-hmm. That make you know, Jim. The the world runs on Instagram, right? For most for you know for some of us, yeah. <laughs> which means like taking better quality pictures and getting those likes and comments from a lot of people. Um. You know, Matthew, what you bring up a very good point, Jim, because screen time is not just for toddlers, it's even for us as adults. Uh, you got to be more present in the moment. And I remember, um, you know, a famous photographer talking about, you know, a, a, a scenario where uh, I think it was, a, uh, it was something around a wildlife where there was this picture perfect moment that he wanted to capture. But he actually didn't. And somebody asked him, like, you're a world-famous photographer, and why didn't you capture that moment? He said, I captured it with my eyes because I wanted to be there and see it for myself rather than put a lens on it. That's it. But you need a lot of self-discipline to do it. And you know what? I love taking a lot of pictures. Like, my phone is full of pictures. and uh, But sometimes you have to step back, as you mentioned, and, you know, just enjoy the moment. It's still a work in progress, I should say. Yeah, I think I think is I think the first step is just realizing that you have to take it and take it and realize there's something and try to figure out how to navigate doing it because obviously like I, we've all we've both probably been here doing it too much put it away and then the next whenever that time limits up you're on it like it you know you missed something like a, a world changing event and you didn't but it feels like you did because you've been gone for four six a day whatever. It just, yeah, doesn't work so well. But, okay, so now the transition that I have in my mind is we're talking about being more in the moment. And you're a, a live event speaker, which always blows my mind because, I mean, I do this show and I sit here and I talk to people. There's no, there's nobody here. There's a bunch of stuffed animals across the way, a bunch of books in the other corner, um, right? But there's still nerves that mm-hmm. go into this. But what's, I mean, what's it like getting up and speaking in front of a hundred couple people? Like, how do you deal with that? Right off the shoot. You know what? I love it. Let me tell you something interesting. So I stepped on stage when I was five years old. 
and I gave a speech about an airplane. And since then, the bug to speak on stage hasn't stopped. And I've continued it even after moving to the U.S. I, I was part of Toastmasters. I got my distinguished Toastmasters. Um, and then there's no stopping me. <laughs> so the mic and microphone and uh, you know, I, and my and myself, they are inseparable. <laughs> That's how I see myself after all these years. And uh, you know, it's just because I love people. I think that's the crux of it. I love people. I love sharing thoughts and having interactive, stimulating conversations. I think that keeps me going. And you know, speaking to a audience, be it in person or now more of the virtual events, it keeps me going. There's some spark in me that just lights up and even if it's the middle of the night I'll go and give a talk you know that's that's how how much I love just being out there as I say it has to be different now though right speaking like we're speaking tonight you're going to still reach the same number of people you did in that that setting but it's totally different now you're home it's not necessarily as intense to a degree obviously there's some but when you're doing it, because uh, I signed up for a, a um, conference tomorrow to watch virtually, right? Mm-hmm. I, I never would have been able to attend that conference if it was in person because I have other things to do that morning so I can hop on the computer when I get home and watch, which is great. I think going forward, if we get to a hybrid point where you can still watch but still have people in person, I think it's going to be phenomenal for these events. But that's a whole other another point but when you're speaking now at these these conferences that are just projecting i want to say zoom i guess i, I just want to say the four-letter mm-hmm. word because it is what it is at this point do you still get that do you still get that energy feedback from like the crowd or how does that change for you yeah the medium is different right because Starting from your posture, like you're not standing and talking in front of people on a stage with a microphone. Now you're here broadcasting via your laptop or just a smartphone. Um, so that's, that's actually got me thinking, like, how do I feel about it? You know, definitely that energy in the crowd is something that you can get only when it's in person. You know, that's where you get that feel that I want to do this. Uh, for an online event, it's just a different, uh, you know, different way of presentation. But you know what? Your executive presence is something that uh, that still stays the same. Uh, you know, the way you present yourself, the way you still feel passionate about your talk, I think that still stays the same to me. Um, and I think you just have to adapt to changing scenarios because a lot of, uh, you know, small businesses, like, you know, people who, who speak, speakers and, you know, authors and coaches, but their mainstream form of business is going in person and, giving talks has changed right now everybody has to adapt to these online platforms and hey if that's the norm you just have to adapt and get going go with the flow yeah but you had a little experience with these online platforms before all this started see so you were ahead oh, of yeah. the, you um, were slightly ahead of the curve <laughs> i know i know and you know the best part jim is like being a podcaster right because i've i've done in person events and then as a podcaster you do, the, you do these live stream events, right? So I think, um, you know, it's just a different way of looking at things and change really helps you to adapt. So since we're right here, let's do this right now before I forget because I look at the clock and we're already 24 minutes in and uh, time's flying on me. Uh, promote the podcast. Tell me where people can listen, what the name of it is, the the uh, 
the question that everybody hates. Everybody asks me this question. I go, I don't know uh, what the podcast is about. Give me that fun work over right here. Hey, thanks for that beautiful plug in the show. <laughs> and you've been doing great so far. So I never felt it's been 25 minutes. So you're doing a good job, Jen. So the podcast is called Curry Up, Start Up. It's focused on spotlighting world-class Asian entrepreneurs, C-suite leaders, CEOs, CIOs, the executives, and leaders who are doing inspiring things. Um, and the target audience for this podcast is global leaders who can feel inspired and be and ignite conversations around how do you create best versions of yourself. And the reason why I chose Asian entrepreneurs especially is because I feel there's a lot of underrepresentation in terms of bringing Asians into the limelight uh, you know, giving them the recognition that they deserve, especially budding entrepreneurs and leaders. So I felt I would take it on myself to create a platform to put the haunts, the personal successes, the journey, the trials and tribulations that Asian leaders undergo to be where they are today. And so you can find them on YouTube. We do live streams on YouTube and Twitter, Curry Up Startup Podcast. And uh, it's available on all, all podcast streaming platforms, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, your Googles and Alexas, uh, you name it, you got it. And you can check us out. Uh, uh, you can follow me on Twitter or LinkedIn, Priyanka Kumala. And then check out PriyankaKumala.com where you can find more information on the podcast as well. Great website, by the way. I said, Well, obviously, I've been there today intensely. Um, Thank you. Uh, doing, doing, you know, my homework on you. I've, I've been there before, That's you know, because of the sharing the stuff and kind of connecting before this, so I was aware. And obviously that played a factor in you being here tonight, so good job on that. Thank you. Uh, so take me back, though. What made you, take me back, what made you want to do a podcast to start with? You know, two things, uh, Jim. First, as a new mom, I had this desire in me. I was on maternity leave and I was like, I need to do something more with my life. And, you know, usually uh, I'm someone who just can't stay still. Uh, like, I just can't sit at home and say like, oh, I'm a new mom and, you know, I just got to chill. <laughs> that was just not me. So so I decided, you know, I was thinking of this idea of a podcast because I personally felt there was this vacuum uh, in terms of representing Asian stories. Uh, you know, me personally, I had this, I had this challenge and I was like, I'm quite sure everybody else must be facing the same challenge. And I was like, okay, let me get started on this. But the background is that, as I mentioned, I love people. You know, I'm always curious about how people's, you know, life journeys shapes up. And, you know, anytime I even get on a, an Uber or something, you know, I start talking with my, uh, you know, my uh, viewer guy saying like, okay, what got you here? You know, what do you do? And, you know, things like these, that's, that's just my usual style of interaction. So I felt... Uh, my love for people always stays in there. And two, spotlighting Asian was a nice combination. So two of them. And then I felt I could use my sleepless nights as a new mom to really channelize my energy into doing something that would make me feel happy. So that's how it got started. And now we are close to um, 35 episodes in a year. And, you know, I'm looking forward to keep that inner drive in me going. I was going to say, you might be the only person I've ever talked to on my show or on their show who answered that question was, I had a baby and I needed to do more. Just for, for the <laughs> you record. <know> what, Jim? <laughs> Thank you. Uh, I take it as a compliment. And, it is. Uh, it is because, I mean, I, like I said, I have two older ones, right? And 
those first few months of anything creative or wanting to mm-hmm. do something more just wasn't there. So I, I, I there's a special something in you that uh, I, I, you. I am honoring. I'm not slacking that. I'm just saying that it, there is something Oh, absolutely. Right oh, so. thank you. <laughs> and you know what? I think motherhood really pushes you into doing something more because I had the same feeling that, you know, once you enter a different stage of life, your priorities change and, you know, how do you manage time? But when you love something so dearly, you actually find time somehow magically it just happens. And, uh, you know, it's very inspiring for me personally, Jim, especially during COVID when I'm doing this episode. It's like you're speaking with a couple of people for a couple of hours every week. And I feel very grateful to get that human connection and, you know, getting to get a lot of wisdom from these people, you know, because, you know, their life journey, everybody's life journey is so different. And um, it's just so hard to meet so many people, right, from across the globe who are willing to give you the time to share their stories. So I feel immensely grateful to my guests and people like you who support what I'm doing. So thank you so much again. Oh, you're welcome. And I, I appreciate those moments too, right? Just because we cross paths mm-hmm. right here, right now, and then, and in six months or a year from now, I'm going to see your name again, and I'm all, I'm guaranteed to go hit you on Twitter and see what you've been doing. Like it doesn't matter. Oh, right? thank you. Like you know, like you're you're always going to be a former guest of the show, so there's always going to be a piece of me that's vested in you and seeing what you're doing. So unless you block me, I which, appreciate that, Jim. Which has happened before, but anyways, that's all. <laughs> why am I? You know that makes me. Why am I ruining this nice moment? <laughs> <laughs> hey, you're not actually. It, it, you know, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna remember this moment, so, and then see, I'm a memory taker, right? So I'm gonna remember this moment, and you know, you got to check on me six months down the lane and see what I'm doing in my life, and hopefully, I, I live up to what you believe in me. I believe that with your podcast and your drive, that um, somebody somewhere someday is gonna be like, where was she before this? And you know, there's gonna. There, I mean, you've done some things, but I hope that this moment and all the the podcast and all the listeners I have can help you um, not only share your show but help share sham, stem. Yeah, and all. I mean, like this should help people understand how important some of these other things are out in the world. With all the negativity going on in the world, people are always telling me they're looking for positive things, and here I'm bringing them one. So now it's take the positive seed and I'm planting it let's make sure the flower grows and gets seen by everybody good analogy there I'm hey. gonna, I'm, I know hey you're getting into the STEM field hey <laughs> you seem to have another career Jim that you should seriously consider so the other thing well one of the other things I wanted to talk to you about was leadership and you mentioned talking to these business owners and how COVID kind of has impacted everything so I'm kind of feeling that vibe because a lot of businesses have been horribly hit by this and then several others that I can think of off the top of my head have have taken off because of their ability to ship and all these other things. So as you're out there talking to your different entrepreneurs, how's the actual vibe down on the street level of the people you're talking to? Because I just watch it from a distance. You know, you got it right, Jim, because these entrepreneurs have been very hard hit and I have some of my dear friends who are women entrepreneurs as well and as you know you know at least the stats say that you know 38 to 40 percent of our um, you know business owners are women in this country and they've been super hardly hit um, you know because they've lost their clients um, they're not a lot of 
you know, um, engagements that are happening in terms of organizations bringing them in for talks on leadership or any of the portfolio of work that they provide. So it's, uh, it's, it's definitely challenging, I should say. But I love the fact that these entrepreneurs are quickly pivoting themselves. And as we talked earlier, moving to more virtual events, you know, they provide, say, for example, you know, shorter coaching sessions to virtual events. Um, they're offering free sessions. You know, some of my friends are even writing books. So I think they're channelizing this energy to really amplify what, you de- what they're doing, but in a slightly different format uh, to still stay relevant. You know, that's one aspect of it. The second aspect I would say is, you know, a lot of these entrepreneurs are actually asking for help. You know, the government is providing a lot of grants and resources to help these business owners. Uh, But seeking help through the community, through the network that they've built over the years, I think that's definitely being very helpful. You know, in terms of if organizations are talking a lot about, say, for example, DEI, diversity, equity and inclusion, you know, if those topics resonate with these entrepreneurs, uh, you know, what are some ways to bring them as speakers, as as guests uh, to these organizations where they can talk about relevant, uh, you know, topics as well. So uh, definitely a lot of, uh, they're hard hit. You know, the revenue models are, are hit terribly by this. And I, I feel for my entrepreneur friends. But you know what? They had that drive and that courage to choose that path. And I'm quite sure they'll come through this successfully and thrive going forward. It's just that they have to adapt their business models and seek more help and, you know, stay strong and bold to overcome these tough times. Yeah, it has to be difficult because it wasn't like anybody had an opportunity to prepare for this in real, you know, because I'm sitting here thinking, well, winter's coming, right? You're from mm-hmm. D.C., so you know you know what I'm thinking, snow's coming, right? We all have our chance mm-hmm. to get our coats and our boots and everything ready and understand what's going to happen. Well, this kind of just jumped up on us and in some cases, just closed everything down for months Mm -hmm. in places. There's no way anybody was ready for that. But I think we're all going to be ready, potentially, to do it going forward, or have the at least have a thought in our mind of how things are going to look if this ever were to happen again. Um, But that's still unsettling to sit here thinking, you know, how do I protect my business if I have to just close up for three months again? I can't, as a just sitting here thinking about it, like I can't imagine trying to build a business that is sustainable to that point. It scares me. Yeah, Jim. Right. And there's a lot of uncertainty, right? Like even if it's back to normal, our organization is going to have the budget because everybody's hard hit in terms of the bottom line. So if the organizations are going to have budgets to actually support these entrepreneurs, you know, give them the kind of work that they're used to doing. And it's a, you know, it's just like a, a a cycle, right? Because one person gets hit and, you know, it's just a ripple effect in the entire ecosystem, uh, which is hard. And, uh, you know, I, I hope things change and, uh, you know, everybody has good and happy times back again. I agree. I couldn't agree more with that. But I, I want to rewind a minute because I, I did have another thought, but I couldn't. It didn't matter which way I went with that. You mentioned trying to get in the places and trying to open doors, and it's tough for everybody, right? But especially mm-hmm. being a woman in business, there there are certain barriers that men don't have, and I'm not trying to get to that controversial point, but it's just a, a natural fact. But my bigger point is, I think now that we can 
put you and have people consume you in a way that they could feel more comfortable with you. Is that is, is this making any sense? Instead of just cold calling, like because everybody Google's everybody anymore, right? So they can sample mm-hmm. and see that you're not out in left field. You have a smart business acumen. You speak well. You you know what I'm saying like the package is there. Am I, am I making sense to you? Because I feel like I, I don't know where my question is in all of this, but I have, I just feel like I need to say that. Oh, thank you for that. Um, hey, look at the global scale, Jim. There are close to like 250 million women entrepreneurs around the world. And these are women, you know, um, in different stages of entrepreneurship. Like say, for example, I was speaking to someone back in India who's one of my podcast guests where, uh, He's focused on uh, women entrepreneurs who are disadvantaged, like widows and, you know, um, young women who are interested in doing something to be, to lead independent financial, uh, uh, you know, to get independent, uh, independent through financial uh, stability. And they make candles. Uh, you know, that's just one way of entrepreneurship. Uh, I mean, what I'm doing today through my, you know, my education and my experience uh, is very different from, you know, an entrepreneur who makes candles for a living and everybody's hard hit in the same way i mean the scale is slightly different uh, but you know the spirit of entrepreneurship is something that keeps us going because you always feel this light at the end of the tunnel tomorrow you want to have a new client or you know uh, somebody who believes in your business and gives you an opportunity to collaborate uh, you know so it's uh, it's just the way the world seems to work now and it seems to be like the survival of the fittest you got to keep going and uh you know, wait for things to come back to normalcy or continue adapting your business model if this is how the world is going to work going forward. Yeah, I think you have to just continue to adapt no matter if it's your business model, your podcast, your Instagram. I had to say it. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> hey, by the way, I'm not I, I'm not an active Instagrammer, so <laughs> putting the record straight. <laughs> oh, that's just... I, I, I am, but I, I fail at it. I, I do it more mm-hmm. for... I have laughs. I don't want to say because I don't post jokes, but it's just kind of one of these things that I, I, I want to say I enjoy. I just more enjoy posting and then seeing what other people are up to. But I feel that's feels awesome. weird. It feels weird just looking. So you have you know maybe that's just me. I don't like being that guy. So I just kind of post and then you know share in the moment with things because maybe somebody's looking for a podcast to listen to. Maybe they'll find me that way. So. You know. Hey, our listeners need to go and check out Jim's Instagram. I'm going to do that tonight. <laughs> uh, let's see. I posted a picture of the studios the, this morning. Was that this morning I posted that? So you'll get to see the awesomeness that is. Oh, that should be interesting. So Okay. Looking, be looking for that, everybody. Um, mm-hmm. I, leadership is a, a fascinating thing to me. In business or in the classroom or in the boardroom, is, is leadership something that is developed or is it something I don't know how to phrase this is it is it something that people are just born with and you just know like naturally they have it or can it be taught it goes both ways Jen uh, you know that's why we have business schools right who teach you leadership so and there are some people who are born leaders who are natural they know how to handle things and successfully run organizations big or small so I think it's it's more the personality uh, like for me I always enjoy leading people like even from my childhood I would be the one who would put my cousins together and you know make them stand on the line and make them do things the way they should be done so that was much more natural to me 
but after a point in time i felt you know a professional education would help me elevate my business acumen um, you know that's how i got my mba from the university of michigan so everybody's path is different my mom say for example she's a born leader because the way she she communicates the way she builds relationships the way she has integrity and ethical values i mean these are core skills for any leader those were just naturally in her i think that was just part of her upbringing and you know that kind of stuck to me as well as values that i cherished but then i felt you know with these training times i need to be i need to get a professional education that will train me in several aspects of leadership several aspects of management and uh, different fields associated with leading a successful organization so it um i would say it's it's more a personality trait in terms of being a born leader versus you know still uh, going and getting an education that will elevate you to the next level yeah it's uh, interesting fine i i find it it's a struggle for me cuz i i believe that you can be taught it but i've seen people that were taught it and there's still something missing and i don't know how to <laughs> right it's weird to say that out loud I don't know if it's just the mm-hmm. natural um, navigation or the understanding or the real time pulsating of it, but and you know what, Jim, there is a difference between a leader and a manager, and you know that's that's a struggle that a lot of us go through. But you know, over my own experiences, I feel I, I feel like to be seen as a leader, you need to have a lot of thoughtfulness, a lot of patience, a lot of understanding of dynamics around how do you navigate around teams and people uh, so people management skills is very crucial so i agree it's, it's, it depends on you know the kind of personality that you bring to the table to be seen as a leader so you'll appreciate this um german town runner has a question for you who makes my job easier because okay. he ha- he has great questions better this question is better than what i was thinking so we're going to go with it um, what changes? Right. <laughs> what changes in the culture or marketplace need to still occur to make it easier for women-owned small businesses to launch? That's a great question. Um, <laughs> I, to- I told you he you had know, good questions. That's. <laughs> I know, right? He's, he's like a loyal listener um, yes. <laughs> uh, for the show. So good to have such loyal subscribers at this time of the night. You know, for women business owners, especially Jim. Um, you need a lot of support from the community i think it starts from there and then you need role models as well you know as as somebody you know as a as a person of color as a um, you know somebody comes from a different country and wants to set up business here in the us you know a lot of support from your community is very crucial and on top of it um, you know when you go through challenging times it's having the right kind of mentors and role models who are willing to spend their time and energy to invest in your success like i see you as that gym you know by helping a new podcaster to really get to the next level uh, so that's uh, that's one crucial aspect of it as well and uh, you know support from uh, uh, you know the the government or your local chambers of commerce by giving grants and giving more opportunities for these women entrepreneurs to succeed i think that's crucial as well yeah i th- i think obviously having mentors and having people on the bottom end that sounds bad but the support system not only at home but uh, for the business like it's just i mean it's not the entrepreneur themselves turning it mm-hmm. it's this whole network around them 
that if they've tapped into and developed those relationships that will make it successful or make it not successful. As right. And may you know the other thing, right. And you know the other thing, Jim, is asking for help. You know, that's one of the uh, underrated qualities and especially for women business owners. Uh, you know, we multitask. We do a lot of things with grace and expertise. But there are certain things where you will have to bring in the right kind of experts where you'll have to ask for help. And uh, I try to say this to me personally as well, like always seek help, seek mentorship and let people know that there are certain skill sets where, you know, you still got to learn and you got to be gracious about it and just keep going by asking people for help. <laughs> we had a little conversation before we went on air about simple advice that wouldn't sound so simple. And asking mm-hmm. for help is is in that same vein, right? Like it sounds so simple, right? It's easy. It's easy to say, but I I, I think we all say that, right? You should just ask for help with them. But right, it sounds simple, <laughs> but you know that's something that we don't tend to do. Uh, but I'm glad you're focusing more on you know emphasizing that aspect. Yeah, it, it's and sometimes you just you know if you see some, I guess the pay this play this completely forward. If you see somebody struggling, offer to help them. I mean, it, asking somebody for help is probably the hardest thing, hardest thing we, we could come across besides saying apologizing for something you messed up on. I think that's a coin flip right now in my book. Right. So offering that hand even right. if you weren't asked. Right. And you know what? The other thing that I want to mention is, uh, you know, there's a recent, uh, uh, you know, a report that says that 48% of female founders report that they don't have access to advisors or mentors to help their business grow. So that's a huge challenge. And there are a lot of successful entrepreneurs who are men, and we need to make them as allies so they can help us succeed as well. So, you know, uh, gender agnostic advice and creating that support system of uh, successful people who've done it pretty well and learning from them, be it men or women, I think it's good as well for uh, women to really introspect and see, okay, where are things where we are falling off the curb and how do we really elevate ourselves? Yeah, I, it there needs to be a more equitable network of people that are willing to share their... Because obviously, you're not no matter how good your whatever becomes, your business becomes, if I do my business good, we're both going to exist. Unless you become... Amazon, good. Which I, I don't know if that'll happen again for a while. Um, even Walmart still exists with Amazon. But anyways, that's way off topic of where we're headed. We're talking about small businesses and on the small scale, mm-hmm. just tr- people trying to survive and you know have a a good life. I think, but there's so much room right, and, for that. Mm-hmm. Right, and creating a strong ecosystem because it's not a. I mean, I know it's a competitive world, but it's not that. If I have to win, you have to lose. You and I can win at the same time and maybe create more collaborative uh, initiatives that will help us get to the next level as well. So next question from Jimmertown Runner, because he is just on fire. Hey, uh, absolutely. Bring he, it on. He always is. Has India has become a big player in the space industry, which I know he loves. So has India's STEM push been responsible for India's space success? That's a brilliant question. I'm glad uh, India is now in the, in the spotlight. 
because you look at uh, you know the mission to space and india has played a commendable role in terms of putting it putting itself uh, onto the radar of other superpowers in the world be it us or russia you know it's, it's great leaders out there um in these indian space missions who believe in you know bringing the best talent in the country and when you you know send a mission to to the moon or to the mars the world is looking you know and everybody feels inspired like as a young kid you'd be inspired about okay how does this rocket or spaceship launch and look at the kind of recognition that india is getting in the global map and that really inspires you to you know take a peek at okay choosing a stem career would lead you to become a, a scientist and you could launch a mission to space you know as simple as that and you know kids get inspired and now with technology you have access to all you know uh, to uh, to what's happening with these live countdowns in terms of uh, you know getting to know how these missions are being launched and the kind of technical challenges that they go through that keeps people very curious young kids especially and they feel hey choosing a stem career would put me on the world map and that's something that they would love to do for themselves so i think um, definitely that's definitely pushed uh, kids to choose more of the stem careers uh, and i think it's the liberal attitudes of parents as well so there's a huge generational shift in terms of choosing careers and you don't have to be necessarily an engineer and back in india you have this concept of stability as you need to select a government job so that gives you enough financial resources for the rest of your life people are willing to uh, compete in different aspects and you know choose a stem career that benefits them so definitely i think space missions help now you you can get mad at me for saying this but i don't i don't think this way anymore so let me preference it by saying mm-hmm. this this is a this was a, a fleeting probably couple year period in my life where i thought space travel as a peer, as a whole to the moon to mars anywhere was a big waste of uh, mostly money time resources when there are so many things here on earth that we need to take care of but then mm-hmm. through the process of becoming a little bit more wise to the way of the world and things that we're discovering coming back from and pushing out towards going to Mars and coming you know all this stuff kind of tra- retrained my mind into thinking that maybe that isn't a horrible idea so go ahead you help me for for having that thought for even a second hey you get to choose your opinion right and everybody has a different perspective jim which we respect um, you know everybody's priorities are different somebody who's so fascinated by space and there are organizations say for example like nasa or um, uh, the indian space institute that are focused on you know what's happening in the universe right so uh, it, you know it's just nice to figure out what's happening outside of this world sometimes you just have to have a uh, you know a different focus on life. <laughs> well, but like I said, but I, I guess the good news is that I got out of that that thought and was able mm-hmm. to see see that's the growth and the the understanding and the the value of things. If you get too tight into things and that's the great value of doing this show where I can reach out to somebody and say tell me why I'm wrong about this and more often than mm-hmm. not they'll come come with a smart opinion I'll go Oh yeah, I'm horribly wrong about that. So let's. <laughs> hey, hey, and you're being and you're being humble, Jim. Like we can be opinionated, but with each other's opinions and you know still staying sane, I think 
you know that's the best part about being gym uh is that the best part about being gym okay i'll take that um now okay, it, that's it's, one of the best parts i should say <laughs> Uh, you know, you said that, and then I said, I, I, there was that split second, like, well, what's well, great, right? Like, there's that whole moment of, what am I going to, you know, like, which, if you had to pick that one thing that's the best thing, uh, you know, that uh, that there's open-ended, you know, what's your favorite color kind of question. What's your greatest asset? You know, I'm sure you've been to a job interview or somewhere, or and they ask you that question, you go, uh, oh, here and here's one for you. Now that you've been, you know, you're, uh-huh. you've done, what, 35 shows now? Yeah. Here's, 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 this one's going to come. And I'm not, I'm not really going to ask you this, but just be prepared when you're on other shows because this question comes up every interview I do. Who's your favorite guest? Okay, go for it. Who's your favorite guest? Who's my favorite guest? Oh my goodness. It's like, who's your favorite kid? <laughs> yeah, I know. That's right. That's exactly <laughs> it. So just uh-huh. be prepared for that because it's, it never gets easier to answer. And, uh, you know, there's, I'll give you the little out that I kind of use. My next one, of course, I don't normally have mm-hmm. my next guest lined up yet, so it's kind of a trip and fall out right. of the question. Hey. <laughs> right. But, Jim, I actually have an answer for you. Um, you know, I have had wonderful guests on my show, but I have somebody in my mind that I hope she comes to my show sometime, uh, maybe my 50th or my 100th episode. Uh, that's Indra Nui, the former CEO of Pepsi. She is my role model. Um, and I've always when we were growing up I still remember my dad used to say uh, you know when I wouldn't eat or you know throw a tantrum tantrum he would say you got to be like Indra Nui you know why are you behaving in such a way and you know that's that's how it got ingrained in me so I would love to have her on my show and she would be one of my favorite guests is what I'm is what I'm thinking well I think she's one of your favorite people and so to have her on your show would automatically make her one of your favorite guests, which is fair. I know, right? Who else? Who else would you? I mean, who, besides her, who would be the the dream get? The dream? Hey, come on, Oprah Winfrey. She's taken on the world with her media acumen, and I would love to sit face to face with her and actually get a chance to be a be a be a host. I think I think you're onto something there. That'd be pretty cool. Um, mm-hmm. I'm gonna ask. I normally don't. I I used to ask these questions all the time. They're towards the end of my show, and then I got away from it. But I want to ask you this one because I think there's something here that I, I'm ready to ask. What's your mm-hmm. favorite? What's your okay. favorite book? Favorite book: Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl. That's my all-time favorite. It talks about. Um, uh, the life in Nazi camps and you know really understanding the purpose of life Jim because sometimes we got to take a step back and look at life holistically and that book has really been a game changer see I, I knew it was on to something there I just didn't know what it was and I'm glad I asked it um, mm-hmm. go ahead give me the website for the podcast again before we because I, I look at the clock and I know I need to do this because I want to make sure people lis- are listening to you because what you're doing is is solid work. Thank you so much, Jim. Really appreciate that. So, Curry Up Start a Podcast and my website, the website for the podcast is priyankakumala.com and you can find Curry Up Start a Podcast on YouTube and uh, Twitter, LinkedIn, you name it, we're there. And I, I know there's one person out there like me because I, I admitted this at the beginning of the show. 
all of that information will be in the podcast notes and wherever you're listening to the show verse when it's not live, it'll be all there for you because thank you. <laughs> I, I know that's intimidating to somebody out there trying to spell that because it would be for me. So we'll, we'll, I'll get that taken care of and make sure that's all promoted in there as well. Hey, thank you. Thank you. Um, yeah. Hey, that's Priyanka Chopra. So you got, your listeners are not going to forget my name. <laughs> well, they're not going to forget it. And, the fun thing I'm thinking right now is, as we've been through this, we've been through the STEM stuff and the business stuff and the podcast stuff and the, the women in business stuff and the leadership stuff, and it's amazing how all these roads intersect with you. And the, and I guess oh, I should... thank you. Uh, and the mother wanting to do a podcast thing, like, that's still, I'm still, that still sits in my head, and I'm, I'm probably not done thinking about that for tonight, but... What do you what do you want to, what, I mentioned earlier looking looking forward to seeing you in six months and a year as as my show continues and your your life continues to evolve where where do you want to be in six months or a year you know I'm still open-minded in terms of you know the role or the title that I would have or the medium that I would work with but one thing that I'd really love doing is amplifying the voices of people and creating impact through that so be it a podcast or be it through being as a technologist or as a woman in business, uh, you know, that's where I would end up seeing myself um, working with people um, and amplifying their stories. So a couple of things as we run out of time. So if it seems like I'm rushing. Hey, that's a good thing, right? That's <laughs> uh, a good uh, thing. Uh, We're still so, talking over and on. <laughs> so as, as I look at this... Um, be sure to mention me when your new podcasts come out, because I'll continue to retweet those for you going forward, without a question. Uh, if you have awesome. anything science-related, STEM-related, anything that is important that you need to get back on here to talk about, obviously you know where to find me, right? Mm-hmm. So take a Oh, absolutely, and thank as, you. As some people will tell you, the hard part is bugging me enough to get me back on, get you back on, but that's the way it has to go, and... So do it. Don't feel guilty about it because when you do 50 of these and then I do a bunch of live call-in shows, so it's actually like doing 40 of these, you know, sometimes mm-hmm. the squeaky wheel gets gets the – I shouldn't be saying this to you on the air. That's that's not a good secret to be giving out right now. Good thing it's a, towards the end of the show. Hey, it's, <laughs> you know, that's the best part about your show, Jim. You are who you are. And, um, you know, Jim is such a responsive guy. I mean, he says this thing, but, you know, anytime – I tweet or I, I send him a note, he answers right back. And I would love to be back on your show talking about a different topic and maybe just reminiscing our lives from six months six months ago and seeing, you know, how things have changed. Well, I'm sure at some point we'll cross paths again. I say that to people and then it'll be two or three years. But like I said, just keep after me and we'll get it done. Hey, absolutely. I know where to find you and so do you. Yeah. I, well, I don't know where to find me. Somebody has to find me. That's why I'm asking people to keep tracking me. <laughs> <laughs> you got it. I, I'm I'm going to make a note of it and set a reminder for six months. All right. Well, I appreciate you and have a good evening and and go enjoy that that young baby. Oh, thank you so much, Jim. Such a pleasure being on your show. Thank you for the opportunity and to the listeners out there. Jim is such a wonderful host and uh, you know an amazing guy to get to know. So stay tuned for all his upcoming episodes as well. Thank you. Have a good night. And to my listeners, thank out, you. Yep. And to my listeners out there. I hope you enjoyed tonight's show. It was kind of a different little beat, but that's kind of what we do around here. Bring a little different beat to people. 
I really enjoyed it. So I know most of you did. I've seen a lot of uh, positive feedback as the show is going on live. So good night. In a world infatuated with comic fandom comes a show to help us remember the talents that have inspired us. Whoa, 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 cut. Oh, come on. It wasn't that bad. It's a bit dramatic. Let's just tell them about the show, guys. We are the Canned Air Podcast. Join us weekly for a comedic trip through pop culture. We also welcome some cool comic creators, as well as some of the voice and screen actors that help shape your childhood. Find us on cannedairpodcast.com and on the Evergreen Podcast Network.